1: Today Kansas City got better. And no I'm not talking about the Royals. Yeah. Ah, dear dear God no. I'm not talking about the Chiefs. Whoa, what? Not talking about Sporting KC, I'm not talking about the KC Current. Who else is in Kansas
0: City? Um the T-Bones? No, not anymore. The, the, the monarchs. monarchs. Monarchs, thank you. Yeah, my my friend Jay Henricks is the GM. Shout out to him. They're, yeah.
1: No, Kansas City got better today because Whataburger opened. Oh, wow. What? That's awesome. The patch I think I brought it up yesterday. The Patrick Mahomes, his first one, has opened in Wyandotte County in the Legends area. Huh. Kansas has a Whataburger. Oh. This is a great day to be a Kansan. Yes, it is. I'm probably going to stop by tomorrow after AEW. It's probably better to go after, you know, when it's, oh, when it'll be over with. It. By the time I get there, it'll probably be about midnight, mm. and that way it'll not be as busy, hopefully, oh. fingers crossed, yeah.
2: and be able to get through there. Plus,
1: the restaurant just opened. Like, it's not going to have slow service right out of the gate, will it?
0: Uh, I think they'd be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, drive throughs are never fast. In terms of design. That's, that's the flaw. See, that's where
1: In-N-Out does have the edge over Whataburger. Service, it's always pretty quick, no matter how busy it is. They got a well-oiled machine at uh, at In-N-Out, the assembly line, pretty much. Yes. So they do a really good job with that. That's where Whataburger, though, falls behind. It is it's restaurant by restaurant. Mm-hmm. Some are really good, take it really seriously. I think some just have bad managers or some bad ownership for sure I but patrick me, mahomes is in charge now so it'll be fine i went to one i went to two different ones in dallas one was like doom,
2: boom 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 everybody was smiling laughing hey how you doing how's that burger sir that's great and then i went to another one where they're like what do you want didn't care <laughs> what is it pal
1: best one i ever went to it was quick it was so fresh it tasted very good it was in jackson mississippi whoa Whoa! It was, I mean, smack dab downtown area. Hmm. It was really good. Jackson, Mississippi's a dump, <laughs> right? But it had this really good Water Burger.
2: They take their Water Burger very seriously. The today.
1: worst I ever went to was just north of the Texas-Oklahoma border. I can't remember what it was called, but it just it was really slow. It was busy, but it was really slow. It just took forever. Maybe you just had a bunch of people that didn't know what they were doing. I hope that's not the case. But welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. David G. is here. Sage Williams with us all week long. Ladies and gentlemen across the glasses, give her a round of applause Yay! for being here. Thank you so Ooh-wah. much. Representing Ooh-wah. Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh-oh.
2: Salt Hawk Nation.
1: Unfortunately, I have some bad news to kick off the show because, and hopefully this isn't a domino effect for the 2023 class in K-State football, but offensive guard from Hayden High School, Joe Odding, has picked Notre Dame. Joe Odding's a three-star. And he is 6'4", 270. Now, first I want to just address the coaching staff who had been involved. Like Connor Riley, offensive line coach. Joe Klanderman maybe. Chris Kleiman. Yeah, that one sucks, guys. This is an in-state kid that you felt like you had a really good chance on. But then here comes Notre Dame. And Notre Dame just kind of swoops right in there mm-hmm. earlier this month. Or last month, I should say. It is June now. But it was early May. Notre Dame comes in and says, "Hey, Joe, why don't you come over to uh, Notre Dame? <sighs> come play football for the Fighting Irish. We're Catholic, and you come from a Catholic school. So why don't you come over here and play?" Hmm. Yeah, that one's got to sting. I mean, that's that's a tough blow, coaching staff. That really is. I know it's a part of the job. You're going to dust yourself off and get back up, but it's going to linger for a minute. When I bring up the domino effect, I'm going to loop in, in this conversation, two other gentlemen that come up every single time we talk to Derek Young from K-Center Line and football's discussed, because he's a recruiting guy. Avery Johnson from Mays, the quarterback, and Dylan Edwards, the running back from Derby. They have all been kind of looped in into a one group, where K-State and also us in the media felt like if you get one, you'll get the other two. There were still hopes when the rumor still, when he got out there that Joe Otting was considering Notre Dame, he had a couple of visits scheduled for this month. He was going to go for a camp, I believe. But you still felt like, you know, if Avery Johnson could maybe get through his visits, go to Oregon, go to Washington, pick the cats, he could then try to loop in. Joe Odding said, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a cat. I want you to come play football with me." He would be a part of that. Dylan Edwards as well as in that, the three-star running back from Derby. Now, he hasn't made his decision as in Edwards. Avery Johnson is going to make his decision at the end of the month, as he has said before. But Joe Otting has picked Notre Dame. And, yeah, that's a tough blow. The domino effect you worry about is if, well, now since he's not going to K-State, do I want to go somewhere else? Because my boy's not going there now. And it seems like on social media that those three are close. They've, po- they've posed together and pictures on social media. They've tagged each other in things. Now, when it comes to just him as a player, Joe Otting, yes, that does suck. He's ranked sixth in Kansas, according to rivals. You want the in-state kids. Well, Chris Kleiman has said, we want the in-state kids. We want to keep these kids home. And that's a tough thing to do. And he, this coaching staff has taken some hard losses before with these teams coming in last minute and taking them away. I mean, heck, Brent Venables, mm. is, Brent Venables is a great example of that with Joe Canik out of Hayes comes in late, Clemson brings him in, and now he goes to Oklahoma, now going to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's just another example. Replacing him, though, is totally doable. Let's remember, yes, he's an in-state kid. You want him, whatever. I'm not the biggest believer that it's absolutely necessary to have in-state kids. I think it's totally necessary to just get guys that are talented. I don't care where they're from. But I know K-State has put in a lot of effort. He has been on campus to check out K-State like six times. That's where it really sucks, the effort that's been put in. And I know this coaching staff has put in effort for the Kansas kids. And right now for the class of 2023, they have three guys committed and coming to K-State in 2023. The other two that have committed in the top 12 in Kansas, one to Arkansas, and then now Joe Otting to Notre Dame, they are technically ranked higher than three for K-State. But it's not I – mean, I, I don't understand, like, as fans, like you see one three-star kid just all of a sudden switch and uh, his attention is going to another school and you lose out on him. Let's just get over it and move on. We linger too much after losing a recruit, and we just start judging people and start thinking this coaching staff is doing a bad job. They've had some wins, and they've certainly had their losses but Notre Dame comes in and gets this Catholic school kid to come play at the BYU for Catholic kids.
0: <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Uh, I would, I would, as a Catholic kid, prefer the uh, opposite uh, of, of that, given that one has the I was wondering the what the reaction I would get was, given that one has the tradition and uh, one has, well, okay. <laughs> I just... That's why I, I stand. Like.
1: <laughs> by the way, I, I do prefer Notre Dame over BYU sure, for those that don't know. Sure, if you sure. never
0: would have guessed. Sure. Dang, that was painful. <laughs> I'm not Catholic, or anything. Kind of, you did kind of a, Are you Are Catholic, I? Troy? I am Catholic. <laughs> oh. and, uh, and by the did way. Did you take offense to that? Yeah, there, there's a bit of family heritage there uh, with <laughs> Notre Dame as well. Thank you. It's a great story about my folks taking my grandparents back for one of my maternal grandmother's sister's 50th anniversary celebration had the celebration in a chapel you know full catholic mass this was how my dad learned how crazy people are about notre dame football the processional was the notre dame victory march wow out of church after the mass
1: I don't necessarily blame Joe Otting for this. Yeah. I mean, that would be really cool to have that opportunity to play at Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame is a really cool place. and mm-hmm. has that football, long-time football heritage.
2: I mean, it's like, I mean, really. No matter what their record has been, or their record in big games has been lately, it's too—you you can't beat that tradition. Rudy!
0: Rudy. Come on! It's man. my favorite Come sports on. movie. Let, let's be honest about this. Kansas— Kids are at a point that they are in terms of being looked at by other schools because of the success K State had with in state kids. For sure. Developing them under Bill Snyder and building on that talent. That carried out to the high schools in the state. And as the high school programs got better, the kids got better, other schools took notice. We're a victim of our own success. In some ways, in that aspect, because yeah. now our kids, in-state kids, look that much better to out-of-state programs. Absolutely.
2: And I didn't, I mean, that, that Catholic school connection, if he says no, they just send the word down. Oh. Make, make his life horrible. Stop it. Hit him with a ruler a little harder, you know? Oh, okay, seventy-five hail marys. Why,
0: why don't you just say that the, that the, <laughs> the, the pope just deep? Yeah, just yeah. The pope, uh, the pope's on the church. phone.
1: He's super angry. Notre Dame <laughs> gets the pope to visit to people. Oh my
2: God! He's like, listen, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to sway you either way,
0: but. Oh, that, I mean... Might be the one one reason why the Pope would say someone could have <laughs> communion denied. At.
2: Where are you going? <laughs> I I mean, really, that is an added... Oh. not a I guess not a pressure, but definitely an influence on... You know, the whole family's got to be like, Wow, you know, I don't want to push you either way, but that would be really great if, you, you know, Notre Dame, well... Ah, that stinks. It came in at the end. And I think... You're right. The in-state guys, sometimes I'm like, I don't care. But I do want them – I do like the emphasis placed on the top-tier guys. Keep them here and get them on the field so that other Kansas kids see that. You know what? For sure. I want to play there, they play you. If you're good from Kansas, they'll play you. But, I mean, there have been some – lately, some guys, you know, that stayed and, you know, so far, nothing. But – that stinks. That, was that today? It, it's, it's today, the, just it's, like an hour ago. It's oh. the
0: recruiting game. It, yeah. it is, it, it's the recruiting game. Sure. But, you know, Mitch, you're absolutely right that we tend to dwell on that when we just need to look at the reality of the situation, and that is that it is a different world recruiting than what it was, I, and being able to keep guys in state is just that much tougher than what it was
2: absolutely. 20 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely
0: even if it was Coach Snyder in place right now.
2: And a Catholic school kid in Notre Dame. I mean, mean, how do you even win that one? How do you win that one? He could have pushed a little harder for the renovations going on at St. Isidore's. That's all I'm saying, man. Right across from
0: campus. (laughs) Come on, Joe. They've done a heck of a job with that, by the way. It looks gorgeous. He could have said, that's
2: your mini Notre Dame right there. Right there. Create your own Rudy story.
1: Hey, uh, Troy, I, just, yes. uh, I wanted to briefly get this in before we take a break.
0: He still has a job, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see the Royals lost 8 nothing last night? What? No. Uh, the headline news this afternoon The Angels have fired Joe Madden as their manager. Two games under 500. Two games under 500. And how long was he there? Uh, three, four years. Cal Eldred still has a job. It's not even funny anymore. It's not not even funny anymore. So dumb. Get
1: him out of there. Well,
0: Daniel Lynch, who had been
1: decent earlier this year, gives up six earned and five and two-thirds. And by the way, the Royals' offense only had two hits. No runs scored, of course. Two hits. Two mm, hits. Kansas City, they need to lose two more lose the next two, mm-hmm. and then they'll have a record of seventeen thirty eight.
2: <laughs> then you get that it,
1: juju back. And if, yeah, exactly. If you remember 2015 season, that was the juju of that team. Mm-hmm. That song was playing in the locker room every day. We used it here on the show all the time
0: during that year. Don't give Mike Matheny motivation.
1: We would play it. That's the thing. Thursday, when they wrap up that series, they'll wrap up this series Wednesday, right, with yes. the Blue Jays? Yep. And if they lose the next two. Seventeen thirty eight will be the record. Seventeen and thirty eight, and if that happens Thursday, you're going to hear that song the whole show. Let's do it. We are going to turn around the Royals, but they have to lose two more. Right, and then all of a sudden in the um, in the clouds, everybody's going to appear that was on that 2015 Royals team and going to speak to this team currently. Yeah, and
0: saying, "Listen, guys." This is embarrassing. I'd prefer that they speak to Mike Metheny and put a boot in it. Anyway.
2: I just, I want it to be like the scene in Happy Gilmore. Are they
1: going to appear to date more. Trade Andrew Benintendi. <laughs> uh,
0: reported rumor already discussing with San Diego. Oh, is it really? Well, San Diego, is always, he's always a trade the, partner. No doubt. Every
2: time. I just want it to be like Happy Gilmore. You get like Fetty Wap in there. You get James Shields. You get the, like the guy from South Korea, and like, have him talk, and then they can help him out, like angels in the outfield.
1: Sungwoo Lee, Sung Woo is Woo that Lee, who man. you're talking yes. about?
2: Like, I want to help him out, like angels in the outfield, like carry him, you know? Oh God, and then hit the ball for him and stuff. That's what I want to see. I want to, everybody to be like, "This is unbelievable!" And the Royals go win
1: the World Series, baby. We got a busy show today. Coming up at five ten, Big Twelve. Earlier today. It's been reported making a decision on what to do with the basketball schedules for conference play when the conference has 14 teams for a couple of years. I have my top 10. That's going to be in the second hour because we got a interview-heavy first hour. Later on in this hour, we're going to have AEW Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa. But when we come back, we haven't talked to him in a while here on the show. We're going to check in with k soccer coach Mike Dabini, and that's coming up next. If you ever miss any of the show, you can find our podcast, we upload it on SoundCloud, search for the game KMAN, or you can get on Spotify, your Apple podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts, search for the game KMAN, and you can listen to us on demand. Still to come on the show, my top 10 in the second hour, coming up here in about 15 minutes or so, we'll be speaking with AEW Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa, who has one of the best theme songs, in my opinion, in wrestling today. But we are now pleased to be joined by K-State soccer head coach Mike Dabini. His schedule was announced yesterday for the 2022 season. But first, coach, uh, we haven't talked to you here on the show since what took place around Christmas time back in December of 2021 of your stroke and your wife Trina was updating everybody on Facebook. If you're friends with her, you knew what was going on. But how are you doing now? I imagine you're doing fine, but. Are you 100% now?
3: Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, I think uh, I had a little bit of a medical setback, but uh, it was due to a um, uh, trauma um, that happened to one of my arteries in the back of my neck um, that caused this stroke. Um, but it, it was, uh, you know, uh, a blessing that it wasn't as worse as, you know, the stroke seemed to be. And I'm uh, and, uh, thankful. And uh, very lucky, even though it was a very unlucky situation.
1: When it happened, do you recall what took place or how it happened?
3: Well, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons that could have possibly happened. Um, you know, I think maybe uh, it was related to a possible, you know, roller coaster ride is what we're, we're thinking. Just because uh, there was something that was dealt with some force. That uh, uh, dissected one of my arteries. Uh, typically, arteries heal on its own, uh, but I wasn't on any medication. If I was taking aspirin, possibly kept the blood thin, it wouldn't have never clotted where and broke off into to my right occipital lobe. So um, it was just a freak accident, um, nothing to do with my health, um, and uh, just blessed and thankful that it wasn't any worse. Um, but uh, affected a little bit of my peripheral vision, but I have. I have pretty much most of it back and um, just moving forward.
1: How long was it after the stroke you were allowed to travel again?
3: Um, I had to get doctors uh, to clear me and uh, it, w- it didn't take too long. Uh, I would say uh, I had to work on my subconscious more than anything else because they mapped me out pretty much medically. Uh, and they, You know, checking every part of my body to kind of figure out what happened to me um so i would say a month later i started traveling a little bit uh, but nothing as as major as i do in my recruiting season um i just i'm starting to get heavily tra- a lot more heavy in our in my travel here this month with uh, off-season recruiting
1: did you use that as it because you were stuck in southern california for a little while luckily you, of course your family is from there you're from there did you use that as an opportunity to eat a, a bunch of in and out
3: Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that goes back and forth between Mitch and I, uh, In-N-Out or Whataburger, right? right, Mitch?
1: It is. I only got you to go to Whataburger one time, yet you use the powers you have as the head coach of the Cats, and sometimes <laughs> when we were in California, you'd use it as a team meal, go out to In-N-Out, so I was kind of forced to eat it, but it's fine. It's whatever. I got over it. Yeah.
3: No, I mean, I love both of them. But growing up in Southern California, it's, it's really hard to pass up on, a, on, a, on an In-N-Out Burger and their shakes. You know how
1: it goes. The shakes are amazing. We were just talking about it. Also, their uh, service is much better than Whataburger. <laughs> so,
3: everybody has their own opinion. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. What's it uh, like not having Brooklyn Ints around the program for the first time since the, the program had its first season in 2016?
3: Um, you know, the spring was interesting. A lot of players kind of, first of all, you can't, you know, replace a player like Brooklyn is. She's done really well for herself and now playing pro uh, in Iceland with Belour. So proud of what she's been able to accomplish and do for, for our program. But um, with, with that, you know, it, it's an opportunity for a lot of players to step up and blossom in their own way. Uh, Brooklyn, you know, attracted a lot of attention as far as, um, you know the subconscious. Every every time we got the ball, we looked for Brooklyn. Right now, we have you know uh, the, the team as a as a whole has to do it uh, collectively instead of a single player. So um, I think it's going to help us um, get a lot more players involved. Uh, but like I said, you can't you can't replace a stud like like Brooklyn.
1: So what is her status right now with uh, in Kansas City? The Kansas City Current, the team she was drafted by. Um, when does she, like, officially join the team?
3: I'm not, I'm not sure how that quite works. You know, her agent will probably have a better description of how that works. But, um, you know, as of right now, she's with the Valor the team. They have the rights to her contract, and she's out there now, and um, she's doing really, really well.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how that works either. But we're, t- we're talking with Mike Dabini, K-State soccer coach here on the game. So – Okay, now you're post- Brooklyn Ints. Right now, I know you haven't really started practice yet, but just your general feeling about the team now moving forward and what you got heading into the 2022 season.
3: You know, I feel pretty good. I think we've closed the gap, and as far as the results go, um, you know, we' set a lot more school records this past season, and that was with, you know that's with knowing that I have at least nine or 10 returning starters. So we have a really good core coming back, um, and I feel pretty good, you know, having having a lot of these players come in and um, that that understand what it takes to play at the Big Twelve, and then we have a really good freshman class coming in that are pretty athletic. So um, the gap is closed as far as some of the results, you know, early in the in our um, young program, you know, we had some big losses and. A lot of these losses as you're building the program from scratch and um, are, are closing, and we got some really good results—a couple of ties and a win at KU—that really, really helped. So uh, I feel pretty good about the direction we're going. I think we're heading into phase two. Um, I know we're, you know, we're still a young program, but I feel like um, you know we have a, a very good structure now and foundation where we can build off of.
1: You know, you bring up the KU matchup, and that sparks a question here. I remember the Gonzaga match, right, where uh, Laramie Hall, right, it was her that had had the header with, like, four seconds left to tie the game. It was incredible. The place is going nuts. I remember your reaction. You you got a, you, The camera caught you. You're, like, beating your chest, and you're looking over at the opposing bench. I, it was really entertaining. That was on your birthday as well, if I remember correctly. What was your reaction to when Kaylee Thornhill had that – shot to beat KU in overtime. That was a kind of a tap from Brooklyn instant, and Kaylee Thornhill comes out of nowhere to get that shot off. It was one of the best game winners I've ever seen at the Big 12 level, but what was your reaction?
3: I mean, it was a cutting-edge moment. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't describe, you know, it unless you were there. It was just, you know, especially when you're playing against a healthy rivalry at KU and and you're on the road uh couldn't ask for a better finish i was ecstatic for her especially with what she had to go through to get back on the field and ecstatic for our program to to get that result on the road
1: yeah kaylee thornhill was a big piece for your team this this past season now i've been i've been looking at the schedule the last when it was announced yesterday and even today just kind of examining it getting to know it and um it's a very interesting schedule. You got 11 home matches, which I believe is the most K State's ever had for the fall season, and that that includes an exhibition matchup. But you got a couple of visitors from the Big Ten, and also a trip up north against South Dakota State. That's a really tough matchup. They are a top 25 team. So, just what's overall, like with the non-con schedule, your general feeling about how tough it's going to be?
3: I think I got a, we, we got a really good, balanced schedule. I mean, we got a couple of Big Ten teams in there. Uh, we have a lot of uh, top 150 RPI games in there. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's going to prepare us for the Big 12 as we need to get prepared. Um, you know, I like being home quite often because it allows us to uh, utilize our new video board that we're getting. And uh, I think we play well at home. So it's, it's, it's just. It's, the great balance and a great schedule that allows us to uh, prepare for the Big 12.
1: You didn't get your wish that the video board was going to be the shape of the crest?
3: You know, I think they can be creative and maybe add some, a few things on there. But as long as it's on the – as long as it's on, in the – the video display and animation, I'm happy with
1: that. Yeah, I, th- I think you jokingly said one time to me that you'd love it to be the size of the crowd. kind of look like the uh, v- the video board, of course, at Koppman Stadium for the Royals. So that is going to be uh, – when's that going to be done and put in?
3: Um, they're saying by the end of the summer, all going into the season. So we're excited about it. It's going to definitely uh, be valuable and impactful with the – you know the fan experience, the athlete experience, recruiting experience—you name it. I mean, I, I got to figure out if I'm going to be watching the game uh, live in front of me, or am I going to be watching the game with my head sitting down and watching it on the video board? Because it's going to be massive.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to that. And I and you know, and I know as well. Not very many programs in the Big Twelve have video boards for their soccer programs, so that's a great advantage, like you said, Coach. But all right, Coach, that's about all I got for you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad you're doing better health-wise, and I'm just absolutely jacked about this 2022 season. So good luck with the preparations, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: I appreciate the call, and uh,
1: we'll talk soon. That's KC Soccer Coach Mike Debini here on the game. Don't go anywhere, because when we come back, I told you, we're going to have a wrestler on from AEW, and it's going to be the women's champion, Thunder Rosa, next on the game. From the graveyards of Tijuana, Mexico, she is the AEW Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa. AEW Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa, thank you so much for coming on with us here on the game. I got this advice from Tommy Dreamer like 10 years ago. He said, if you want to get into wrestling, you got to do it early, like 18 to 22 is that time to get in. If your Wikipedia is right, it says you broke in at twenty or 27, 27 to 28 years old, so I'm wondering just how you did break into wrestling. What's your story?
4: I just did it, you know? it's like There's like nothing behind it, but I went to a show and I started liking it, and I went and did a tryout, and... I fell in love with it, and I just went went for it, no matter what everybody told me. You know, I think that because everybody was telling me I wasn't going to make it because I was too old, and I was not, you know, your typical uh, woman wrestler, I just went and did it. And I just, you know, I just want to shut everybody up, like how I've done my whole entire life.
1: Well, you are my favorite women's wrestler in AEW, and not just from your skill in the ring, but just your image. Your image is very fascinating, the Day of the Dead face paint, but I I was also wondering, you know, why do you only do half of your face? Is it just because maybe it's kind of a pain to do all that work every day?
4: Well, it was originally was a full face paint, but uh, the guy that um, gave me the idea to use face paint, he said I was too pretty to, like, paint my face completely. So I started using half, and honestly, yeah, it is a lot of work, but um, even just doing half. But right now, it depends. Like, if I have really big matches, I uh, paint my face fully. Uh, this last time, I didn't do it. Uh, what is it. We had some other plans to do on my face, but then um, we, I didn't want to look like Rose, uh, rosemary, That the way that we were going to do it, so we decided to just stick to... Uh,
1: Well, if my memory serves me correctly, you did paint your full face for your cage match or championship match against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, which was in San Antonio, which I believe is your hometown, on Dynamite, your main event, and you've reached the top now. You're at the top of the mountain as the AEW Women's World Champion, but what was that whole experience like, having the mariachi band in front of your fans? That had to be the perfect storm for your first championship, major championship in your career.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, I think, um, it was just, I, I, I guess that was like the exclamation point after for so long I tried to like not run away from my, my culture, from my roots. And just doing, like, coming out with like an all-female mariachi band and just representing Latinos just in general, uh, it, it was just like, it was beautiful. And then uh, also seeing like a out. Arena in in a place where they adopted me as their own, like it meant meant a lot, and, and, not, and not only for me, but I think it meant a lot for a lot of the fans and a lot of the people that have been watching wrestling that have not felt that uh, they have been represented in a long time. So as a woman, it means it means a lot. I mean, because you, you always talk about you know your 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 male your male performers, and uh, we still have some that continue to represent uh, Latinos all over. But I think I'm the first one of my kind. So it's, it's really special.
1: I got to ask, not a whole lot of wrestlers, at least on TV, has taken the thumbtacks. So what was yeah. the thumbtacks like? How painful on a scale of one to 10?
4: Dude, I don't know. I was like in so much. Like my adrenaline was rushing. I didn't feel anything. I can tell you, I felt it like three hours after. I think I had like 150 on the side from like Ooh. my left butt cheek to my my. You know, bottom part of the leg. Like I remember, like like a week after, I had like dots all over my leg, and I'm like, I'm showering. And I told my husband, "What is this?" And he's like, "Melissa, you just went of my room." And Melissa, you just went over some uh, back like five days ago. Oh. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, i was thankful?"
1: Well, when it comes to your wrestling style or just anything about your character, is there any wrestler out there that you were influenced by?
4: Um, that's a great question. Um, not necessarily. I mean, I came with, like, wonderful people. Uh, I think, uh, like, one of my first ones, female wife, was Leo Charest. She's now in uh, NXT. And she was a, do- a daredevil. I remember I was, like, really afraid of doing a lot of stuff, like, high, high um, I flying. But when I went to Japan, like, she forced us to get out of our comfort zone. So, that's one of the things that I, I enjoy doing a lot.
1: Well, I've noticed on your blog, you have this YouTube uh, vlog where you go and eat tacos with other wrestlers in AEW. So, I'm a big foodie, and who doesn't like tacos? Outside of where you're from and from Texas, you've done it across the country from what it appears. Do you have a town that is to you memorable when it comes to tacos and its selection of the best tacos? Yeah, actually, I do. Um, We're talking about
4: Kansas City right now. I'm about to hit El Gallo today with uh, marty bell um, last time i started doing with my, my first person was uh Evo uno and i invited him but I unfortunately couldn't make it so i'm just gonna go with marty bell today and eat some tacos with her today i that's actually one of my favorites because it, the food is really good but also in, like the ambiance of place places like very authentic so that's one of my favorite places so far
1: All right, there's a couple of questions we always ask every wrestler that comes on the show. The first one is, my favorite sound, just in general, is a crowd pop. From wrestling, sports, whatever, crowd pops are so awesome. Do you have a favorite crowd pop, either one you received or one you've witnessed? Wow. Uh,
4: Seeing when he first came out, that was really cool. Uh, And then when, um, when was it? I will say when CM Punk came back in Chicago.
1: Oh, of course. The
4: first time. That was, like, it was crazy. Like, that was one of the craziest ones I ever heard.
1: Yeah, the United cities is from Chicago. That's where Forbidden Door will be later this month. The The Wrestling Mount Rushmore, your personal top four, who would they be? Oh,
4: crap. That's a, it always changes. Um yeah, it can be male and female?
1: It can be anybody you want.
4: All right. Manami Toyota. Uh, Medusa. Technically wise. Let's see. I love Daniel Bryan. Sure. O'Brien oh, Dennison <laughs> now. And then um, the last one. Uh, I don't know. I'm in between. I love Dean Malenko and uh, Eddie Guerrero.
1: Oh, well, Just like a lot. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow you to have five because that's not fair to pick between Dean Malenko, the Iceman, and, of course, Latino Heat. All right, uh, Thunder Rosa here on the game, the AEW Women's World Champion. Kansas City tomorrow night. The show starts at 6. Are you on the card, and what can we expect from a live event with AEW? It's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's for all
4: ages. It's for all tastes. Um, We've been here before, and if you want to have a good time and, and have fun with your kids, with your family, with your girlfriends, with your grandma, just bring them over.
1: Thunder Rosa, thank you again so much for coming on with us here on the game. While you're in Kansas City, I know you're going to get some tacos. you got to try the barbecue as well, the best in the world. Thunder Rosa, AEW Women's World Champion, thank you so much for your time.
4: Thank you.
1: AEW is going to be taping three shows while they're in Kansas City at the Cable Dom Arena. Technically in Independence tomorrow night at 6 is when they'll tape AEW Dark. Dynamite goes live on TBS from 7 to 9, and then afterwards they'll be taping Rampage that airs on TNT on Friday nights. Here is who's advertised for the show. Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, who used to be Daniel Bryan in WWE, John Moxley, The Hardy Boys, uh, Sting... Is advertised. They took CM Punk at the advertising. He's hurt right now. He has to have surgery. Ooh. But they are going to open uh Dynamite with a Battle Royal. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's really all that's about advertised. It's a lot it's gonna be a lot of surprises. Nice. That comes up tomorrow night. So again,
0: Mitch, Mitch is gonna come back on Thursday sounding like this. Oh my
2: god, but he's gonna be happy.
1: He really okay, have. there is that. <laughs> point, <yeah. laughs> Doors open at five. Showtime at six. Go to AEW Ticks. TIX.com. The show is very close to selling out. Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri for AEW Dynamite. Well, I suppose we could just stick around for a couple more minutes because we're about to close the first hour, but I do want to pass along. There has been an addition to the K-State football non-conference for the year 2027. I know. Who's thinking about 2027, right?
0: That's five years out. Welcome to college football scheduling.
1: Mm-hmm. But... uh There are actually a couple of spots open for the 2027 season, and that is Georgia Southern. Mm -hmm. Georgia Southern, out of the Sun Belt, has been added for the 2027 season. That's not the only matchup. That'll be played on September 11th of 2027. The other matchup that has been scheduled is at Colorado the following Saturday. Nice. So the opening weekend is still open. You'd imagine that's going to be... Obviously reserved for an FCS opponent at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, a six ten kickoff. So we don't know who that's gonna be yet. But um twenty twenty seven is actually the latest. It's actually the first year with the non con that's not complete yet. Twenty three through twenty six, that's four seasons, they're all done. Still need one for twenty seven and two each from twenty eight and on through 2031. It's all I really see. That's the the longest. Remember back in the day when it was almost like every
2: year you would find out who they were. Pl- it wasn't. You didn't have the access to the information, so it was like, oh my god, we're playing who? That was awesome. Now we know who's through
1: 2026, 27. Come on,
0: man. This is what happens when you get the lawyers involved.
1: True that. By the way, you'll notice the odd years is when K State will have the road non-con game. That's because they play the five. Home mm-hmm. games in Big 12 play, oh. so next year the road game and non-con play will be at Missouri, but they'll also be hosting Southeast Missouri and Troy. 2024, UT Martin, oh, they also have a road game in 24, how about that? Uh, Tulane, Arizona. Wow. So it looks like maybe a 6-6 six and six for 2024, home and away. Hour 2 of the game is up next. Also coming up, your local news.